You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We got an awesome show for you today. We'll be uh, talking about the future of trade shows. Uh, we just finished covering the Consumer Electronic uh, Show, the one that we always go to Vegas every year. Not this year, of course, uh, but uh, some of the learnings we had and uh, our overall thoughts and what it means for the future, not only for that particular show, but I think for trade shows in general. And uh, are you one of the cord cutters? Do you not have cable TV, just Netflix and Amazon Prime video, but kind of miss some of the TV channels? Well, you can actually get them free over the air. We'll be talking with Ted Kritsonos, our Toronto correspondent, about how you can do that with an HD antenna and even a device that will record the shows for you. Let's talk about some of the uh, the tech news, uh, John. Lots of rumors about an Apple car. They just keep coming fast and furious. Uh, you know, some people are saying we could see an Apple car as early as 2024. Some are saying later in the decade. It looks like, again, from these rumors, and these are all rumors, uh, but they are partnering with Hyundai and now specifically the Hyundai Kia brand. Which is what I own. Yes. You're, you, I, you're driving in an Apple car. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it, I think it's pretty exciting because um, Kia and Hyundai recently sort of announced that they have this platform for uh, electric vehicles. And um, they didn't specifically announce any new models, but they did announce that there wouldn't be more of the um, internal combustion or ICE vehicles, as, as e- us EVers call them. Uh, there would be... N- they're not going to be migrating any of their existing lines. They're going to be creating net new lines of vehicles specifically for the EV uh, markets, which is exciting because maybe that will give them some opportunity to try some new things that don't sort of fit in the same mold where they're just taking a gas car and turning it into an EV car and you get a little bit more space because you don't have a, a, an actual internal combustion engine to worry about anymore. So, um, and we recently heard from GM who was kind of doing the same thing with a platform and they've come up with some new battery tech as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where this all plays out. But like you and I were talking before, it makes sense that Apple would partner with an actual car brand as opposed to rolling their own from scratch. Yeah, I thought that uh, that that's probably a, a good strategy. You know, we've we've watched Tesla grow over the years, and it's still a struggle for them, right? Because they've had to build everything from scratch. All the technologies that go into the the you know the batteries, the software, and the manufacturing lines. You know they're building these giant factories not only down in the U.S. but in Europe and China now, and it's a big deal. It is hard. So that's something I thought about when I heard that Apple was potentially getting into the car game. I'm like, I know that they're big. They've got trillions of dollars, but it is not easy. You know what? Look what happened to Dyson. Do you remember they were trying to make an electric car? Yeah, they spent a ton of money just trying to figure out how to build them, and then they have ultimately abandoned it all. Yeah, I think James. Hard. Yeah, I think James Dyson even put in a bunch of his own money uh, into that, like into the hundreds of millions. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you know Apple. Every time they get into anything, they they dominate. You know what I mean? Like they just go all in. So I'm interested to see how they could potentially change the car. Yeah, although <laughs> we should point out this is still just a rumor. Yeah. And they've been rumored to be changing the smart glasses space for a long time. There's a number of other spaces that they, you know they're interested in that they're maybe dipping their toes into, but they haven't quite figured out that magic, magical uh, 
sort of mix of Apple and a product that people actually want. So um, I'm excited that, you know, the rumors seem to be pointing towards Kia, which is the brand that I have chosen for the last 10 years. And um, uh, I, I love their vehicles. I love my EV as well from them. So I can only imagine how cool an Apple car would be uh, as an electric vehicle. And, you know, we're talking about this rumored Apple car, but in, in some sense, John, they're, they're kind of already in millions of cars with Apple CarPlay. Mm-hmm. In in people's enter you know infotainment uh, systems, so um, I think they've already started infiltrating uh, you know the transportation tech side. Well, it's interesting too, was when you go to buy a new car now, one of the first bullets they typically promote for a new vehicle is the fact that it's CarPlay or Android Auto compatible. It just sort of tells you where people's preferences lie for their in-car entertainment uh, because it's such an important and integral part of our daily lives is if I can't access my phone while I'm driving, at least let me have some of the features on a touchscreen that I can access while I am driving. Switching gears, so to speak, uh, let's talk about music players, digital music players. Uh, They were a big thing because, again, Apple came in and dominated that with their Apple, uh, uh, the iPod. those aren't really big anymore because everyone's phone is basically a music player. But one of the competitors back in the day, I think, you know, around the 2005 timeframe was Microsoft and they had uh, their Zune. Do you remember those? I do. I loved mine. I, I have one in my closet uh, somewhere. And John, I love that as well. I, I, I thought it was a better design than the iPod at the time. Like it mostly was a giant color screen uh, on it. And the, the interface was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think the color screen really sort of set it apart uh, at the time. Um, it, I don't think it helped the battery life that much, but it was definitely something that felt more futuristic uh, with this little pocket music player. Um, and I also liked that you didn't have to go through like an iTunes to put music on it. You could just literally just drag and drop f- music onto it, which was really nice. Well, interesting article uh, up on TheVerge.com if you get a chance to uh, check it out. Uh, there are apparently still a lot of Zune fans out there keeping uh, the Zune dream alive. Microsoft eventually killed it and I think took a lot of the, the folks behind uh, the Zune interface and software, uh, which I think eventually became Windows Mobile Phone, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I still think was a great interface uh, on that. Um, but yeah, a lot of fans out there still basically repairing old Zunes and... Uh, uh, putting new hard drives in, in them, and uh, they still work like a charm. You might have a, a little market for your, your closet Zune. <laughs> well, it's broken. It doesn't turn on anymore. So I got to figure matter. out, yeah, I got to figure out how to take this thing apart and uh, repair it. So I don't know if it's a battery or, uh, I'm sure there's some YouTube videos on, on how to how to do that, but it's uh, kind of uh, given me uh, maybe a weekend project to, to look at. Uh, other tech news uh, that we're looking at right now, WhatsApp. This is a messaging app used by how many is it like over a billion people, John, around the world? Very, very popular. Owned by uh, Facebook now, and there was a big uproar a couple weeks ago when WhatsApp said they were changing their privacy policy and sharing information with Facebook, and everyone lost their minds. <laughs> there, there was. I don't. I don't think we've had a single uh, question more frequently submitted to us, other than. What are my alternatives to WhatsApp? 
Uh, <laughs> once they once they made that announcement, our our comment form that we have on our website getconnectedmedia.com, uh, where you can ask questions, and if we get a chance to, we'll answer them on air. Um, that was probably the single most requested topic for us to respond to, and we did that on the app show last week, um, and I think we're going to have a follow up as well this week for that but um yeah so they were this was all supposed to take into effect february 8th so everyone's just panicking freaking out looking at other options like telegram and signal became so popular that it actually caused their servers to melt last weekend uh as everyone was trying to sign up at the same time they were actually uh completely down for over 24 hours um while they were trying to scale up for all these new users that were migrating from whatsapp um but Maybe they don't need to because uh, WhatsApp has said, whoa, 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 let's, uh, let's put a pause on this change. Uh, instead of being February 8th, they've extended that now until May 15th to help better educate people what they're actually doing and be more transparent. So I don't know if that means they're going to change the privacy policy or they're just going to sort of uh, give more specificity to what actually is in that policy and how they're actually sharing your data and what data they're actually sharing. Well, John, I got to be honest, I looked through some of it um, and people are just like scared because all that information is going to Facebook. I, I have news for everyone out there. All your information was already going to Facebook, like your phone number and everything that you probably cared about. This new privacy policy, the the big data sharing part of it was basically any interactions you have with businesses or corporations. Uh, WhatsApp was going to share that with Facebook. So obviously they can serve you up ads uh, around it. But the other personal and private information, it's already going there. That ship has sailed. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Anything you don't have to pay for, you're paying for. <laughs> <laughs> There's no free ride, right? Exactly. Uh, one quick thing I want to talk about, John. Uh, you're you've ordered a uh, a kit to make a smartwatch. Yeah this this uh, this really tugged at some heartstrings of mine. One one of my favorite uh, smartwatches of recent years was the Pebble smartwatch. Do you remember that? Oh, I love that thing. Yeah. That yeah, was one of the first big smartwatches. Yeah, because it was it was very inexpensive. I think it was about $100 at the time. Uh, and it had an e-ink screen, so it actually had a really great battery life. Um, and there's a company that actually uh, has, uh, there's, a, there's a website called Tindy, T-I-N-D-I-E.com. It's kind of like a Etsy for makers. And uh, the cool thing I like about Tindy is that they have all these really weird people making cool stuff for people like me. And um, this, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Squarefumi, uh, S-Q-F-M-I, the company, is basically creating a a little smartwatch that kind of resembles the Pebble in some ways, um, but it's really unique in its design that it's actually a printed circuit board that on the front side, you attach, uh, you actually, it's a kit, so you actually have to put it together. Uh, you attach an e-ink display, so just like your Kindle display. Uh, it's a black and white display. Uh, and then on the back side, you attach a battery, and then it has a little strap that goes through the two ends of the PCB. So it's a very exposed piece of technology. There's no fancy case for it, but they've actually, they're releasing the 3D models of the watch and people are designing 3D printable cases for it, which checks off a few boxes for me as well. So, uh, but the cool thing is it's only 50 bucks and it's open source. It actually is running on a version of Arduino um, and an ESP32 Pico D4. Uh, for those that care. Uh, it's got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. It's got an accelerometer, a real-time clock, a vibration motor, um, a 20 by 20 
pixel display, um, micro USB port, and uh, four buttons that can be programmed. So you can do custom watch faces, custom applications, all kinds of neat stuff for it. And uh, it's only 50 bucks, 50 US. So I think it was about $64 Canadian delivered uh, or shipped. I haven't got it yet. But uh, I'm pretty excited to, to, to play with this little thing. It's not going to replace my Apple Watch, but I, I like the idea of this type of sort of open tech that is hackable. Be fun for uh, kids to, to put together as well, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, although it does seem like it might be a little fragile for kids. Yeah. Uh, maybe teenagers for sure. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just a neat way. And it, it, they've done a good job of sort of documenting the process. And they have a really neat Wicca, uh, wiki page for all the things you can do with it as well. Cool, cool. We are going to have to t- take a break here on Get Connected, but we've got some good stuff coming up. How would you like to get uh, Global TV, CTV, CBC for free? Well, you can do that over the air with an HD antenna, just kind of like the old days. We're going to tell you how to do that. Uh, Our correspondent, Ted Kritsonos, has got all the details. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, your guide to digital living. Mike Agarbo here. We've got uh, John Beeler on the line uh, as well. Still to come up. Would you like to get free TV? Well, you can do that over the air with HD antennas. We'll tell you all about it. And even a device that helps record the shows for you that you can share on all your TVs and even your smartphone. John, uh, I wanted to quickly just talk about uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. We covered that last week, all the cool tech news. You know, typically we're down there in Las Vegas when they have it on. I mean, it's literally millions of square feet of exhibitors just showing the latest tech. But, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of reviews of the show. You know, obviously it was all online this year. And I I think for a lot of journalists, the general consensus was, you know, it was great that they, you know, tried to pivot and go virtually, but it just wasn't the same, obviously. No, not at all. Um, The most difficult and challenging part was trying to figure out what would bubble up above the noise. all the big players were there, as we've talked about, and but just finding those little players, the you know the, the really interesting tech, kind of like like the watch that we just talked about in the last uh, news section. There, um, we never, I never would have been able to find that uh, using the virtual CES because the way things were organized on the website, you kind of had to know what you were looking for, and it wasn't grouped by categories. Typically, when we go to CES, there'll be giant convention halls sort of divided up by sort of the type of business that that company is. So it's a fitness uh, provider. So they do smart watches or fitness trackers, that kind of thing in one area. Another area would be smart home tech, that kind of thing. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you go into a part of this building. Um, There wasn't really anything quite like that with CES this year because we basically had to look through a giant list of names and try to figure out what kind of business they were in and hopefully go down the rabbit hole and find them. Now, there was a few um, uh, showcases, if you will, uh, like our friends at Showstoppers. They do a pretty good job every day they had this Showstoppers TV where they would try to bring a bunch of companies together that from a, a variety of different places to show off something new and cool. And we did find a few interesting things that way, um, but it, it it was a lot harder and a lot slower to navigate that process than just walking down an aisle and seeing something that catches your eye, going and talking to them, playing with the device in your hand right there. 
Yeah, I, I, I just wonder what that uh, means for this trade show going forward and just trade shows in general. Like, you know, you'd think with Consumer Electronics Show, it's for techies. Uh, they would, would have had like the best implementation of an online virtual trade show. And I think they did their best there, but it's hard, man. Like, it's just not the same. No, I, I will say one thing though, unlike the actual like in-person show, uh, which is only typically four days and a couple days for press ahead of that. Um, this one actually, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the web platform, if you will, is still going to be available for us to access for a few more weeks. So it gives us a little bit more time to go in and, and, and go back and maybe revisit some of these vendors that we didn't get to in, in the space of the week that we were covering it. Um, and, and even going following up and just having direct access to some of the PR people that we need to talk to, to find out about these details. Like, is this coming to Canada? What's it going to cost? Those types of things. We can at least still have access to those people a little bit more directly than trying to go through the front door of that company's website. If we heard about something interesting. So, you know, it'll help, but it's still more work. And it's also what normally we get done in four or five days is now going to take us a couple of weeks worth of work. You know what I miss the most, John? gambling at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) you know me we're gonna have to take another break here when we come back we're gonna tell you how you can get free over the air tv using a, a simple hd antenna back after this you're back with get connected mike and john here We're going to talk about uh, TV now and getting TV signals the old-fashioned way, over the air with an antenna, but with a a new digital twist. On the line, we've got our good friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Thanks for having me, guys. So TV has changed uh, dramatically over the past five to ten years. Uh, A lot of people are cutting the cords, going to streaming subscription services like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, Crave, uh, Disney. But uh, back in the day, the old days, and I know a lot of our listeners will remember this, we used to get our TV through antennas on top of our TVs, like over the air, the signals would come. Well, believe it or not, those signals are still being transmitted transmitted, and actually in high definition all across Canada. So if you have the right gear, you can actually pick up those signals for free on your TV. I mean, it all depends on, you know, what type of antenna you get, where you live, on what channels you can receive. Uh, but today we want to talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, what do you do with that when you do get the signal set up properly with your television? Can you record shows? Well, we've got a solution for that too. Ted, uh, you've actually got uh, an HD antenna set up in your home. How, how, how did that uh, work for you? Was it easy, difficult? Well, I'm in a condo, so it's easy as far as the height goes. Uh, that's nothing there's nothing to worry about there and I'm facing being in Toronto I'm facing south uh, towards downtown so you know I can pick up signals not just from the city but also from as far away as Buffalo uh, across the lake now the the thing I've been doing this since I moved in here so digital antennas are you know they're not new to me and a lot of them now work indoors so you don't necessarily have to install something outdoors although I can see the advantage that some people might get from doing that uh, because of course you get more height but the point is, is that you can pull in certain channels over the air that are free. So bro- networks that are broadcasting free over the air channels are they're out there. You just have to be able to pick them up, and that's where the a good antenna can help you do that. Uh, but you have to kind of angle it the right way because these are digital signals, so they're not analog like they used to be. 
So you have to like point it the right way to capture them. But once you do, they're there and they're clear and you're not paying a dime for them. And it, the, the quality is quite excellent. Uh, it's uncompressed signals as well. Yeah, uncompressed relative to what cable and satellite TV would be. Um, so it's not a, you know, I wouldn't say it's like a fully uncompressed signal, but, you know, but that's technical stuff we don't need to get into here. The point is, is that the, the quality of the image that you're looking at is great. Now, we, this is a bit going more into the future, but already we're starting to see some TVs have what are called ATSC 3.0 tuners. So right now, we have, you know, TVs have 2.0 tuners. The 3.0 tuners will be able to do 4K. So when broadcasters are able to broadcast in 4K, those over, you know, over-the-air signals would come, you know, to an antenna, to your ATSC 3.0 tuner, and you'd have free 4K TV. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But look for TVs to come out, especially this year and in 2022, that'll have that as standard. So uh, that way you're future-proofing uh, when that time comes. I think one thing that um, over-the-air TV is really great for, especially for cord cutters, is sport, live sports. It's the one easy way to get it generally. You know, in Canada, we've got a couple channels that you can get typically almost in every city that would have some kind of sports, whether it's football or uh, hockey or something like that. And you get it in that really beautiful semi uncompressed view so it just looks really nice uh, yeah ho- hockey looks great it really yeah. does uh you know hockey night in canada games on, on saturdays especially you know or any game that cbc is broadcasting i mean it, it's 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 one of the easier channels to get and yeah it looks great and then you know if you're watching football on ctv you know on sundays uh that looks great too um, so yeah, you don't get all the sports, obviously, because you know Sportsnet and TSN, you know, they're cable channels; they're not going to broadcast uh, over the air. But uh, but I, your point is well taken. I mean, definitely, whenever I've watched sports uh, on, on antennas, and I've done it for years, it's it's just great. And you know, the antennas are are pretty affordable too, aren't they, Ted? Yeah, uh, it's very easy to get one for under hundred dollars. Uh, very easy, and these are, and they look. They, they don't look like what you think an antenna would look like. It's so, not rabbit ears. Yeah, it, it's not rabbit ears. It's not like some weird contraption. Like, it, you know, there are some that literally, they look like a piece of plastic paper attached to a cord. Uh, literally. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and some of them come with like boosters. So like you can plug them into the USB port on your TV and that like boosts the signal. Uh, so they come in a variety of different forms, but not necessarily what you'd think an antenna would look like you can you know something you can put on a wall attached to a window uh something you can rest on a, maybe on a ledge facing out a window they, they come in a variety of different forms one of the companies that i like is mohu uh they're very well known uh especially in the u.s but they are available here too and they make a, a wide range of, of digital antennas and, you know, there is a difference between like the indoor and the outdoor antennas. Uh, and I would imagine if you have the capability to do an outdoor antenna, that would give you a, a better chance of picking up signals. For sure. Yeah. The, the outdoor antennas uh, definitely are more powerful. They're larger. They do require installation. And certainly because of the height necessary, it's something that you would attach to the roof, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, a chimney, something. Uh, that will give you a way to to prop it up and leave it up there. So if you're really serious or, you know, to your point, Mike, when you started the segment, where do you live? Because that is the, 
that's the biggest part. Where you live, what direction you're facing, or at least what direction the antenna is facing, those are the number one pri priorities as far as what you're going to get. That's why some people living in a, more, in a denser area are going to get more channels than someone who lives in a more rural area. Uh, it, it's just a matter of where the antennas are that are broadcasting these signals and how you can pick them up. Yeah, if I could recommend one website for listeners out there that want to try this uh, and just to see what channels are uh, potentially, uh, you know, available in your area there's a website called tvfool.com and you yeah, can enter site. yeah and you can enter in your address and it'll give you a listing of you know whether an indoor antenna might work better or an outdoor antenna depending uh on the position of uh, where the, your house and is and the signal strength yes sorry mike just the signal strength as well is noted for each channel on that site which is really really good because it gives you an idea of what kind of distance uh you would need to be at uh, in order to get the channel at the strongest signal it's also interesting too like mike and i both live fairly close to the border and you kind of have line of sight to buffalo at least so uh, you can get american channels as well oh yeah oh, absolutely oh yeah. yeah i've gotten i've gotten them here too uh it is a bit hit or miss depending now you guys being closer to the border in vancouver might have a, an easier time of it than us here and certainly you know people who live further away from the border like in alberta or saskatchewan um, you know, they might have a harder time picking up American channels, but it is possible. I was surprised when I run this scan with an HD antenna I had, I actually got a bunch of channels I didn't even know existed. Like, <laughs> I've never heard of them before. <laughs> and they were being broadcast out of Bellingham, Washington. And it was just like, and they're like movie channels and stuff. And this is like, this is awesome. That's, uh, that's uh, John, that's the old KVOS TV 12. Uh, yeah, and, well, it's, yeah. there's MeTV, yes. which is what, what they do, but they also have these other ones that do classic movies and other things. Like I know, that. it's great. It's fantastic. It's, like, it's great. It's free content. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos about uh, HDTV over the air, getting uh, your TV signals for free, for free. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, how you can record them. We've got uh, a little device we're going to talk about. So you're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, uh, Mike and John here. We've been talking about uh, getting your TV signals over the air for free with uh, the right antenna. Well, how about recording them? I mean, that's the big thing now, right? You want to be able to get uh, the content that you want and be able to watch it when you want. That's the great thing about these subscription services. Well, with over-the-air uh, HD TV, there's a way to, to capture those and record them so you can watch them anytime. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos. He's done a great uh, review of this uh, device. It's from Tableau. Ted, tell us uh, what uh, this uh, Tableau device does and how it works with the, uh, the HD antenna. Okay, so Tableau is made by a company called Nuvio, which is based in Ottawa, so Canadian content, if you will. And the idea is, they have a number of different products, but the general idea is that you would plug the antenna into the box, so not into the TV, but into the box, and that way you'd be able to stream whatever the, the, the antenna's pulling in, into the box, to compatible devices. So you're not, you don't have to be at your TV. You can watch it there, certainly, because there are apps for the Roku and Android TV. Uh, but you don't have to. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your tablet. So that, that's always been the flexibility of Tableau, is that you, you can watch it anywhere. And when you plug in an external hard drive, the box will format that drive, and you can actually save. It's like a DVR. So you can save, or PVR, uh, you can save your, you know, whatever you wanted to record, whatever shows you wanted to record, you can record on the fly, or you can record a certain show, you know, maybe you want all the episodes of a, of a certain show for that season, you can get those, and if you subscribe 
to a couple of different subscriptions they have. You can, you know, you can remove the commercials automatically uh, and also get all the, you know, two weeks worth of like TV guide information as well. Um, so they, there's a lot going on there, but the focus is basically to get over the air live TV to you in more ways than one and let you record what you want as well. So once you buy this box, and they've got a, a number of different ones uh, from what I, I've seen, um, do you have to get the subscription to get it to work? You, you don't have to get the subscription for it to work. The subscriptions, so there, there's two, and I know like it's a bit confusing because there's, there's something that they call premium, and then there's also the TV guide subscription. So these are actually two separate things. They do not combine them together. So premium lets you do, like it skips commercials for anything you record. So, you know, you record a show, it actually just cuts those commercials out completely when it processes the, uh, the file. TV Guide gives you, you know, it's two weeks worth of TV Guide info, so you can look ahead, you know, and, and set up recordings that way. Uh, you get more, more artwork, more metadata. Um, there's just, it, it's a richer experience, if I can use that term, uh, when, you, when you have that. So, it, yeah, but they split them into two subscriptions, but you don't need them in order to use this. And the box itself is a one-time purchase. You're not paying on top of that to use it in any way, uh, but you do need an external hard drive if you want to record something, which of course is a separate purchase. That It's not something that Tableau includes. There are a couple of models that have built-in storage, so you can use those, but generally their products require some sort of external storage. But for the TV guide, um, you can. Does it actually come free with the device? I, I see on the website um, you can get like one day uh, of, yeah, of TV yeah, guide yeah. info. Yeah. So when you're not a subscriber, you get 24 hours worth of TV guide information. When you are a subscriber, you get two weeks worth. So that's where they feel they've added a lot of value because you can look way ahead. And of course, because you have that two weeks the shows or movies that populate the interface are different because it's including everything that is going to be that is going to be broadcast in that time so for example if i were to see a movie on the interface and i was to click it it would tell me when it's airing what channels and then give me the option to record it as well so once i once i you know set it to record it's just going to record on its own and if I am a premium subscriber as well, I won't have to have any commercials in there too. And so just from the pricing I'm looking at uh, for the TV guide, like to get the, the better TV guide experience, you know, the two weeks worth of info, that's uh, $5.99 Canadian a month or 60 bucks a year. Obviously, you know, you'd save some money doing that. Um, and uh, to get the other service, uh, the premium service, um, which you know strips out the commercials of stuff that you record. Uh, that's about thirty bucks a year, so not bad. Uh, when you factor it all in, you know that's a lot cheaper than you know getting TV from your, I guess, uh, your local provider. That's less than one month of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, although in my review of the latest Tableau model, and and, and the one I reviewed uh, was the dual HDMI. It's the first Tableau to have an HDMI port and the first one to connect directly to a TV. That is very much a stay-at-home device. It offers no streaming. So you can connect to it, you can watch it on a TV with a, with a proper app, like on a Roku or Android TV, but you can't stream to a tablet or a phone or away from home either, which is the value proposition of the other Tableau products. 
So I, I made that very clear in the review. I, I clarified, you know, why that particular model is different. But I also noted that I, I actually feel the pricing is a bit steep for what you're getting, uh, only because it's it really depends how much you are receiving over the air. Uh, to pay that kind of money if you're getting three channels is not worth it. If you're getting 15 channels, then I can see where it makes sense, right? So it's highly, highly dependent on how much content you're actually pulling in through the antenna because the box can only can only do what the antenna gives it, right? So it's so contingent on that one element. Overall, though, Ted, uh, you've been you know using the HD antennas and this new box. Would you recommend it? I would, I, and I and I, but I have to preface that by saying that it is to me a complement to what other services you are probably watching or subscribing to. So, if this is something that you're going to have on top of Netflix or Disney Plus, for example, great. But it's not going to replace those in any way. So the, the comparison is, is, as John pointed out, is more apt for cable or satellite. Yeah. So there are certain, maybe you're not watching many channels. Maybe you'll get a lot, of your, you know, a lot of the shows you like through the networks that you're catching over the air. Then, yeah, it makes total sense. But if for live sports, it's limited. Bear in mind that you can only watch whatever's broadcast in those channels. Uh, if you want everything else, there are services for those too. We've been talking with Ted Kritsonos uh, all about uh, HD antennas and getting free TV over the air and how to record it. If you want to read his review about uh, the Tableau, visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. A lot more information there. Ted, as always, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Just a little bit of time left. want to throw it to the contest. We're giving away a YubiKey, John. Exciting! We should probably spell it for people because we also get a lot of questions about how do you spell that. Uh, do you know how to spell it? <laughs> it's Y U B I. Yes. Key, and it's all over our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Just click on the newsletter tab and sign up, and all the information is there. If you're already signed up for the newsletter, you're already entered for it. But get your friends to sign up too. Like uh, you know, there's a few thousand people that enter the the contest, so. The odds are better than the 649 or Lotto Max, and we're giving away literally thousands of dollars in tech prizes uh, this year. So make sure that you do sign up for that. It's uh, it's all kinds of awesome. And also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all kinds of great videos there, buyer's guides, how-to tips, and also the latest reviews for the smartphones uh, that are coming into the market as well. And just look up Get Connected uh, Media or Get Connected TV, and you'll be able to find us. Find us, subscribe, and hit the little bell icon there as well to get notified when we have uh, new videos coming out. I want to thank uh, the team that helps put the show together. John, of course, my co-host, and also Christina, our producer. We'll see you again next time.